bringing hope to many around the globe, transforming lives into legacies. Live in Word with Pastor Mensah Otobiel. And now, today's Word. Let's get into the Word of God. And uh, my message title for today is quite an interesting one. Um, I've titled it, when the manna stops falling when the manna stops falling have you ever had the experience where something that used to work so well for you doesn't work again have you had the experience where prayers that used to be answered so easily now don't seem to get answered and one of the discoveries that we all make in our relationship with God is that he is able to open doors and shut doors. He's able to make things happen and he's also able to make things not to happen. And today we're going to look at how to deal with those situations in our walk with God when our manna stops falling. What do you do when the manna stops falling? What do you do? When God turns off a supply line in your life. And this happened in the journey of Israel. And we're going to look at that journey. And we're going to learn some lessons from that experience for our lives. Joshua chapter 5. Joshua chapter 5. And from verse 10 to verse number 15. Joshua chapter 5, verse 10 to verse 15. If you have a Bible, Joshua is the sixth book in your Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. So don't go too far away to the end. It's quite early. If you have an app you are using, punch to Joshua. And I'm sure you'll find it in your Bible app. Joshua chapter 5 verse 10 to verse 15. Now the children of Israel camped in Gilgal and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at twilight on the plains of Jericho. And they ate of the produce of the land on the day after the Passover unleavened bread and parched grain on the very same day. Then the manna ceased on the day after they had eaten the produce of the land. And the children of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate the food of the land of Canaan that year. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? So he said, No, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, 
take your sandal off your foot for the place where you stand is holy and Joshua did so now this account we just read in the book of Joshua happens after Israel crossed the river Jordan into the promised land for the first time they stepped foot on the promised land it was a very important and very momentous occasion for Israel because for 500 years since they went into captivity in Egypt that is for 430 years and now 40 years in the wilderness that's about 470 plus years they have been looking forward to the promised land their fathers have been promised that land they had told each other that they would inherit the promised land each generation came in anticipation that they would enter the promised land and then they would die would not enter without entering the promised land and a new generation will rise up and on and on and on they've been hoping they've been praying they've been desiring uh, and and god had described the promised land to them in very glowing terms as a land flowing with milk and honey now they have entered the promised land now if you read the earlier part of chapter five they have just crossed the jordan river and they have stepped foot for the first time as a nation in the land they've been desiring for so many hundreds of years and when they entered the promised land god gave joshua a special instruction to circumcise all the males you know that circumcision was a covenant a sign between israel and god and the reason why he circumcised them was that a generation had grown in the wilderness in the last 40 years walking in the wilderness uh, who were not circumcised but now they are about to enter the promise and they are to be circumcised and the place where they were circumcised was called gilgal 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 means a wheel or something that rolls away or a turn around gilgal a turn around a rolling away something happened there that made the place to be called Gilgal because when they were circumcised God said that the reproach of Egypt had been rolled away the reproach of Egypt had been rolled away it has been turned aside Israel had become a new nation in Gilgal not in the Red Sea not at Mount Sinai but in Gilgal, they became a nation without reproach. Now, why does the Bible say that the reproaches rolled away? Because for 40 years, they were a free people in their bodies, but bound in their minds. They carried the stigma that they were slaves. Can you imagine? They've been slaves for 430 years. They're free, but everybody calls them slaves. They call themselves slaves. They saw themselves as slaves. And that stigma was on them, although they were free. And so, when they were circumcised at Gilgal, God says, the reproach has been rolled away. It's a turnaround moment for Israel. That's very important. But something else happened at Gilgal. At Gilgal, God told them to have the Passover. The Passover. The Passover 
means or means a transition, it means change, it means movement. So at Gilgal, they had a Passover. Now you remember, if you know your Bible a little bit, that the Passover was instituted the day that Israel was leaving Egypt. And God uh, took them out by a mighty hand. So, two things I want you to note here. Gilgal means a turnaround. Passover means change. So God, by two symbols, is telling Israel, you have come into a turnaround moment in your life. You have come into a change situation in your life. In other words, something that is used to happen in the past in your life is stopping here at Gilgal because there is a turnaround and there is a change. Very important. I want to make three important statements in reference to what Gilgal and Passover mean to us in our walk with God. The first statement I want to make is that God leads us in faces. God leads us in faces. He does not only lead lead us in one way. He leads us in chapters and episodes. It is almost like the way a car moves. It moves by shifting gears. Even if you're using an automatic car, internally the car shifts gears. So you don't start with one gear with, your, with, with the journey and end on the same gear. It moves from faces. Gears are shifted. And so is our walk with God. God moves with us in faces. And there are times that the gears will shift in your walk with God. And you enter a new phase. That's very important. Second statement is that each new phase demands new responses. New faces require that we learn new things and do new things. When God opens a new chapter, the story will change. When God shifts the gears, the speed will also change. Each new phase demands new responses. The third statement I want to make is that each new phase leads to new doors. Doors represent both exits and entrances. Exits and entrance. Anytime you encounter a door anywhere, it represents two things, exit and entrance. When you enter a door, you move from one place you used to be and enter another place you didn't used to be. For the place that you have entered into, it's an entrance. For the place that you just left, is an exit. So anytime we say, God has opened a new door for me, remember, it means you are exiting something and entering something. Most of the time, we are always thinking about what we are entering into and never thoughtful about what we are exiting from. You cannot be in two spaces at the same time. 
You cannot be in two rooms at the same time. When you enter the door, you leave one room to go to another room. If you move from your living room to your bedroom, you're no longer in your living room, you're in your bedroom. You move from the bedroom through the door to the living room, you're no longer in the living room, and the bedroom, you're in the living room. Anytime you encounter a door, or anytime God opens the door for you, remember he's shutting something in your past and opening something in your future. Anytime. So at Gilgal, God is saying to Israel by two signs of the circumcision and the Passover. I am turning around. I am rolling over. I am changing something. You are in transition. You are moving. You are moving from where you used to be to a new place you've never been before. Now I'm going to take time to explain this in the next phase of my message as I get into it. Because what happened in Gilgal the celebration of the Passover was very, very important. What was it? Why is it important? Because it is the third Passover that Israel had experienced. The third one. And each time they experienced a Passover, they moved from one level to another. Each time they encountered a Passover, something happened. And I'm going to walk you through the three Passovers of Israel up until they got to Gilgal. The first Passover is in Exodus chapter 13, verse 3 to 16. 3 to 6. You're familiar with it, so I'll read it very quickly. This is the night when they were being delivered from Egypt. The Bible says, And Moses said to the people, Remember this day in which you went out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. For by strength of hand the Lord brought you out of this place. No leavened bread shall be eaten. On this day you are going out in the month of Abib. And it shall be when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Amorites, and the Hevites, and the Jebusites, which he swore to your fathers to give you a land flowing with milk and honey, that you shall keep this service in this month. Seven days you shall eat leavened bread, unleavened bread, and on the seventh day there shall be a feast unto the Lord, and on and on it describes it. So, the first Passover took them out of Egypt from bondage to freedom. First Passover. It was a transition. A people who have been in bondage all their lives. Overnight, God shuts one door and opens another door. The door of slavery is shut. The door of freedom is open. They transition from Egypt, from bondage into freedom. They entered a season of miraculous provision. So, on that night, God gave them wealth. God delivered them. God set them apart as a special people unto himself. The first Passover was a transition from slavery to freedom. And in that Passover, they ate the bread of affliction. They ate the bread of affliction, the bread of bitterness as slaves. They celebrated the Passover, they ate bread, but that bread was affliction. It was the result of 400 years of hard labor and very little results. They ate it with bitter herbs in readiness for deliverance. Although it was a bread of affliction, 
It was also a bread of hope. They celebrated in hope that one day God will give us our own land. But the important thing I want you to note is that when they ate the first Passover, they moved from one level to the other, from slaves to free people. That's the first Passover. For all the three Passovers, there was a transition. The first one from bondage to freedom. Second Passover is in Numbers chapter 9 verse 5. This Passover they celebrated when they were in Mount Sinai after they had received the Ten Commandments. Numbers chapter 9 verse 1 to 5. Now the Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai in the first month of the second year after they had come out of the land of Egypt saying, let the children of Israel keep the Passover at its appointed time. On the 14th day of this month at twilight, you shall keep it at its appointed time. According to all its rites and ceremonies, you shall keep it. So Moses told the children of Israel that they should keep the Passover. And they kept the Passover on the 14th day, on the first month at twilight in the wilderness of Sinai, according to all that the Lord has commanded them. And from then, they started their journey into the wilderness. So, the second Passover was out of the Red Sea from freedom to wandering. From freedom to wandering. First Passover, freedom, bondage to freedom. Second Passover, freedom to wandering. The interesting thing about Israel is that when they left bondage, they didn't enter the land of promise. They left bondage to uncertainty. They left bondage to wandering. So for 40 years, they are not bound, but they are not settled too. 40 years, they are free, but they own nothing. 40 years, they are blessed, no inheritance. And it goes on for 40 years. And in those 40 years, they ate the bread of heaven. The bread of heaven. They ate manna from God. In Egypt, in the first Passover, they ate the bread of affliction. In the wilderness, they ate the bread from heaven. And that was a very interesting phase in the life of Israel. They didn't have an inheritance, but God was taking care of them. So they will get up in the morning and there will be food all around them. There is divine supply. The heavens are open every morning. The heavens open. Manna falls. They get up in the morning. They gather. They cook. They eat. They sleep. Complain a little. Criticize Moses a little. Get up in the morning. There is food. They gather, they cook, they eat, complain a little, criticize a little, sleep, get up in the morning. You don't farm, you don't toil, you don't work. It's a pipeline of supply has been opened for them. The first time it happened, they thought, well, maybe the manna will not fall the next day. Then it fell the next day, then it fell the next day, then it fell the next week, and then it fell the next week, and then the next year, and then the next year, and the next year, and the next year. So for 40 years... That was their lifestyle. You don't struggle. 
Just get up in the morning and there will be a supply line for you. A whole generation of people have grown up under that system. They didn't know Egypt. They weren't grown in bondage. They were grown in freedom in the wilderness. And they had learned to depend on God's supply every morning. It is those people who were circumcised at Gilgal. They have no idea of affliction. The pillar of cloud by day. Pillar of fire by night. Free water supply. Free food from heaven. Their garments did not wear out. So you buy one clothes, you wear it forever. Because God renews it. Your sandal every year. God gives you new soles and gives you new repair for your sandals. The sandals did not wear. And, and I mean, this is a good life. I don't know about you, but it looks like a nice life. Everything is working. God is supplying all their needs. They need water. God gives them water in a rock. They need meat. God gives them quails to eat. They need food. Manna is falling. And they go on this journey for 40 years. And a whole group of people, I would call the manna generation, had grown up. They don't know how to fight. They don't know how to cultivate, they don't know how to plant, they don't know how to reap, and they only know that my God shall supply all my needs. When I call on him, he would answer. When I pray, God will make a way. That was their story. If you ask Israel, how do you survive? They would say, well, I don't know. But every morning, God gives me food. How come you're making, uh, making it? Oh, I don't know. But God makes a way for me. That will be their story. Then they cross the Jordan River. And they get to the promised land. The first day their land stepped on the land God promised them. And God says to Joshua, change of gears change of gears it's going to change so he says first circumcise the guys they've been in this place for too long and they they are not mindful that I'm a covenant keeping God because I'm taking them to somewhere they will begin to wonder is it still God is God abandoned me? Is, 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 is it still God? He said, yeah, 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 yeah. So circumcise them first to know that I'm still in relationship with them. I love them. They're still my people. But at Gilgal, there's going to be a third Passover. And in the third Passover, that's the account we read in Joshua chapter 5, verse 10 to 12. Now the children of Israel camped in Gilgal and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at twilight in the plains of Jericho and they ate the produce of the land on the day after the Passover. Unleavened bread and parched grain on the very same day. Then the manna ceased on the day after they had eaten the produce of the land. And the children of Israel no longer had manna. The third Passover took them out of the wilderness from wandering to occupation. They were no longer 
a wandering nation. They were now on the land promised them. When they celebrated this Passover, they had no clue what was coming into their lives. I'm sure they said, wow, oh God, we are in covenant with you. We are now circumcised. We are now honoring God with a Passover. We have just celebrated the beauty of the Lord. They finished the Passover. The next morning, they go out. And there's no manna. They go to the land, to the cornfields. They pluck the corn, roast the corn, eat the corn. Next day they go, something that has been constant for 40 years, shut. The heavens are shut. No manner. I don't know about you, but that will be the biggest shock. Because for those people who have been born in the wilderness for the last 40 years, this is their life story. Every morning there's manner. Every morning there's manner. Every mo- it's almost like you get up in the morning... And the sun didn't rise. Where is the sun? It didn't rise today. Or maybe it will rise tomorrow. Tomorrow too it didn't rise. How am I going to see? It's a new season. For Israel that was what it meant to them. No manner for the first day in 40 years. Something God opened. He shuts. And he says, you've entered a new season of your life and you're going to eat bread. But you're going to eat the bread from your own inheritance. Not the bread of affliction, not the bread of heaven, but your hands are going to now produce for you. They started eating the bread of their inheritance. The same God who opened the heavens to supply your need can shut the heavens to your needs and open the earth to supply your needs the same God are they in covenant with God? yes is it the same God who led them? yes is it the same God who gave them food? yes how come he's not doing it for us again? it's a shift of gears now there are people and each one of us have been shocked by God in that sense Where something God used to do for you, all of a sudden is not happening again. A door he opened has been shut. An access he gave you has been shut. Something that you used to experience supernaturally from God is no longer happening. And you wonder, what's going on? So, let me just speak to you about that a little bit. When the manna stops... It is not a sign that God has abandoned you. It can be shocking. It will move you from your comfort zone. It can disorient you. It can make you feel abandoned. But God has not left you. Thank you for listening to Living Word. To interact with Pastor Mensah Otebill, like his page on Facebook. Follow him on Twitter at Mensah Otebill. Email otebill at centralgospel.com 
or call plus 233-302-688-000.